0: 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Amen. Now you can turn to the scriptures, you can, and, um, or you can choose to just attentively listen, make notes, get the CD after, listen it again on, the, on Facebook or on one of the um, social medias that we broadcast on. Praise God forevermore. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We were talking about the fact that you are able ministers of the new covenant, that you are an able minister of the new covenant, and today we're going to go a little further and talk about what it's gonna, what is required for you to be that able minister of the new covenant. Second Corinthians chapter three. Let's pick it up in verse um, pick it up in verse four, and we have such trust. True Christ towards God. Hallelujah. We have such trust. True Christ towards God concerning you. Because you know, it is so awesome that it is not about you and your willpower, but it is about his might and his power to empower you. It is that he is able to work within you and empower you to will and to do his good pleasure. It is the fact that not your grace and your ability to follow after him, but his ability to lead. He said, the sons of God are what? The sons of God follow the spirit of God. No, 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 no. The sons of God are led by the spirit of God. Say God is able. able. Say it again. Amen. You know, at the end of the day, it's all about the working of God and the spirit of God and all we do is we say yes and amen believe and obey that's it and he will, and he who has begun a good work will what complete. he will complete it he will present you faultless before his appearing with exceeding joy he will bring you to the place where you are so sanctified holy in, ho- in the whole of your spirit, in the whole of your soul, and in the whole of your body. And he is faithful to do it. Say, God is able. I want you to make a switch on the inside of you that says, I am trusting in him. He can do it. He can do it. It is his responsibility to do it. It is the Holy Ghost that is the performer. He is the one that does the miracles. He is the one that raises the dead. It is Christ that upholds all things by the word of his power. It is God that watches over his word to perform it. And it is he, it is the gift of his faith in you that gives you the ability to believe. It is he that has shed about the love of God in your heart, and we could continue and continue and continue. But here is the point: we have such trust <laughs> through Christ concerning you, so that He is able to do it. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves as being from ourselves, but Our sufficiency, our enablement, our empowerment is from God. And because it is from God, we can do all things through him that empowers and enables and strengthens us. And it is he who also, verse 6, and this is the verse, has made us sufficient or able... Are qualified as ministers of the new covenant. It did not say that He will make you, He will make you to be able, sufficient, and qualified as an able minister of the New Covenant. He said he's already done it. Say he's already done it. That is such a tremendously massive truth that is the secret to faith. The secret of faith is not trying to get God to do this and get God to do that. The secret of faith is not striving to believe. You are a believer, it's who you are. Fishes don't strive to swim, they swim. And all right? You don't strive to believe. you are a believer. Say, I'm a believer. And so this secret of faith lies not in the striving, not in trying to make God do this. Not in, in not in the fasting as wonderful as those things are, but it lies in this truth that it is finished. Recognizing what's already done in the realm of the spirit, and when you know what is done in the realm of the spirit, then you call those things that are not done here on earth as it is done in the spirit, and that's how faith gets released. So, as it's all faith, call those things that be not as though they were. Faith called those things that be not the way they are in the realm of the spirit. It called what does not exist as it exists in the spirit. The word of God is already settled in heaven. The works of God were finished from the foundation of the world. Jesus said it was finished. And it was not figurative or anything else. It was genuine. It is finished. Say it is finished. So you see, God has already made you unable minister of this new testament you are already made that now i'm going to make a quick fast forward just so to so bring some stuff into balance what i just said is the absolute truth every born again child of god whether he's just been born again one minute ago and, he, and, he, and, 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 uh, and he's just a new christian or whether he's a struggling christian still having bondages and addictions and issues already he's been around for a while he, every born-again Christian, has been made an able minister of the gospel. You know, I was speaking to someone yesterday and, and, um, that had just gotten married. And I said to them, so now you're a husband. Right? Of course, he said, yes. I said, you are a husband. No, just, he just got married. He is a husband. Is he not? Now. What might happen now, they know, now that he is a husband, he has to learn to be a husband. Are you with me? He is, but he has to learn to be. Did you get that? So you are an able minister of the new, co- of the new covenant. Now you're going to have to learn how to be that able minister of the new covenant. Praise the Lord. All right. So, you are the able minister of the, of the new covenant. And the reason why, hmm, well, let's deal with what is the new covenant first. You are an able minister of the new covenant. What is this new covenant? This new covenant is the reality of the fact that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This new covenant is, is the fact that when someone is born again, Christ himself comes and takes up residence on the inside of you. Christ is in you. That is the reality. And this Christ that is in you, he is righteous. He is holy. He is blameless. He is love. He is the word. Now watch this now. When you are born again... As he, Christ, is, so are you. So guess what? You now are blameless, holy, righteous. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. Amen? And Christ, who is the word, is in you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 says, And you who were alienated... And enemies in your mind by wicked works, works, yet now he has reconciled you. He has reconciled you. And the word reconciled means, at the root of it, it has to do with an exchange. He has exchanged the life that you had for the life of Jesus, he has exchanged your sin for righteousness. He has exchanged um, the fact that you are separated from God, that you are rejected to the fact that now you are accepted. He He has exchanged the sickness and disease for divine health. And you see, when we know those things are finished and then we believe according to what is finished and we begin to think that way, speak that way. Believe that we have that attitude that lines up with what is finished and our conversation, our conduct is lined up with what is finished. Then what happens? The word of God says, when you order your conversation, all right, God says, I will show you salvation. I will bring deliverance. I will manifest my power. That is why it says that, you, that our conversation must be as it becometh the gospel philippians 1 27 what does that mean your conversation the way you think the way you speak the way you believe your attitudes your conduct must be in harmony with the gospel which is the truth that christ is in you and so you see this new covenant is about christ being in you oh i didn't finish that scripture did i And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Isn't that how Jesus is? Holy, without reproach, blameless. But that's how you are. Christ is your life. All, All that Christ is. He is in you. Colossians 2 verse 9 and 10 says that in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And then it goes on to say, and you are complete in him. The Amplified says you are in him made full, having come to the fullness of life in Christ. You too are filled with the Godhead, with the Father, with the Son, the Holy Spirit. And you reach full spiritual stature. And Christ is the head over all. What am I saying? Christ and all that he is, is in you. As he is, so are you in this world. Colossians 3 verse 3 and 4 says, you are dead. You died with Christ. You were crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. But it's not you. It's Christ that liveth in you. You are dead, your life is hid with Christ and God, and when Christ, who is your life, shall appear. Christ is your life. One of the biggest challenges for believers is to take a hold of the identity of who they genuinely are in Christ. Their identity still tends to be what what their, what their race is, what their background is, what their history is, what their education is, what people say about them as opposed to who God has made them. Christ is your life. You are a son of the living God. You are God's workmanship. You are a product of his perfect sacrifice. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And as he is, so are you in this world. So this new covenant is about that. And this new covenant, because it is about that, this covenant is also about the reality of righteousness. Say righteousness. Back to Second Corinthians chapter 3. We had just read verse 6. Who also has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter but of the spirit? For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, that's what the old covenant that Moses walked under, walked under when he wrote, when God wrote in the tablets of stones and so on and so forth. If that was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was fading away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? That's where we are in. We are in the ministry and the dispensation of the Spirit of God. For if that ministry of condemnation, under the law, people were condemned, and if that had some glory, how much more, now listen to this, the ministry of righteousness exceed much more in glory. We are in this, this new covenant is a covenant of the Spirit of God. It is a covenant of the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. It is a covenant, and it is a, it is a ministry of righteousness. It's the dispensation of of righteousness which is to say then that you being an able minister of the new covenant then you are a minister and you have a stewardship, says stewardship over the communication of the fact that christ is in you the hope of glory you have a stewardship and a responsibility of the communication both in word and in deed and, and in every manner of of this this truth about righteousness, the oneness that man has with God in Christ so that he can live in a place free from condemnation, guilt, shame, insecurity. Why? Because his sins have been forgiven. They've been removed completely. And in his life, and in the sight of God, he, he as if sin has never been. So there's no guilt, no shame, no insecurity, no inferiority. He's totally accepted with God, and he's with right standing. Every believer has that responsibility and is called to that ministry or stewardship, so to speak. Are you with me? All right. Okay. So there's more to righteousness as well. So the essence of this new covenant is it is about Christ in you, and it is about righteousness. In fact, Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 basically says, and I'm going to just put it plainly and then I'll break it down. Romans 1 verse 16 and 17 says the whole essence of the cross, Jesus going to the cross and all of that, Jesus coming, dying, burying, resurrecting, shedding his blood and going through all of that was for this purpose that the righteousness of God would become available to mankind. Romans 1, verse 16 and 17 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which is, which is about the cross, okay? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The preaching of the cross for us is the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of, the, of, 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 the, of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation, unto deliverance, unto wholeness, unto prosperity. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the cross. I'm not ashamed of the sacrifice because it is the power of God unto salvation. Why? Because therein the righteousness of God is revealed. In other words, Jesus went through all of that. What? To make righteousness available. That's the, that's the distinct aspect of the new covenant. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's flip over there, Second Corinthians chapter 5. Reading all the way back down from verse 14. Praise God. We'll read some scriptures today. Is that okay? Let the word do the preaching. Let the word to fight its own fight. Let the word do the talking. Let the word be, the, be, the, be that which washes us, the washing of the water of the word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Having our conscience purged from every dead work by the blood of the Lord Jesus and having our bodies washed with pure water. Glory to God, that we might assure ourselves before God. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, reading from verse 14. The love of Christ compels us because this is what we judge. We judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. Then all are dead. We judge everybody crucified with Christ. And... He died for all that those who live, those who receive, who believe, and receive his life and are born again, should no longer live for themselves. Well, why should they? They have been crucified. It's no longer them that live. It's Christ that lives in them. Amen? Now, that's going to become a major key as to how you're going to be this able minister. It's going to be about Christ living through you. Not just Christ living in you. Christ living in you, that's good. That is a fact for everybody. But him living through you is going to determine whether you are going to be the able minister of this new covenant. Hello? He has to do it. Our Our trust is in him. Say he's able. All right, let's get back over here. So he who died for all, verse 15, he died for all that those who live, Those who are now born again and now have his life in them should no longer be living for themselves, but they should be living for him who died for them and rose again. They become his body. They become his his hands. They become his voice. They become his temple. And the entirety of their life is now offered up as a living sacrifice so that Christ might live in them and through them. So henceforth, they no longer live the rest of their lives for the will of men, but for the will of God. For him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, remember, everyone is being crucified. Therefore, from now on, we don't regard no one. Say no one. Oh, man, that's good right there. No one. Say no one. Mm, That'll fix every relationship on this planet. (laughs) We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no more. Therefore, that being the case, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. He was crucified. All things have passed away. Old man was buried with him. That's gone. <laughs> all things have passed away. and Behold, all things have become new. He's got a new name. He's got a new life. You know, as the life of Christ, he's been born again to a living hope. He's been raised up together with Christ. He's been made to sit together with Christ. He's he's obtained an inheritance. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God. Everything in his born-again spirit is of God. In his born-again spirit is the joy of the Lord. In his born again spirit there is peace the peace of God In his born again spirit there is love the love of God has been shed abroad in his heart In his born again spirit is righteousness his born again spirit is created in righteousness and true holiness In his born again spirit is the entire essence of the nature of God which is what qualifies him to be that able minister He is you and I are qualified every born again person, no regardless of where he's at in his maturity or lack thereof, still has the entirety of the nature of God in his spirit. Amen? And and the essence of his born again spirit of that new man is the life of Christ and the nature of God. His position is in Christ far above principalities and powers. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the very essence of his being and that's the reason why he is qualified he is qualified because of who he is in the essence of his being which is the nature of god and he's qualified because of what he has what is now his in this new birth can you see that okay we'll, we'll, get, we'll continue some more but say i'm an able minister everyone you've been made that <laughs> You've been made that. Now the question is, you need to be that. And for you to be that, you're going to have to let Christ not just live in you. He's living in you anyway. <laughs> All right? But you're going to have to let him live through you. Say that. Say through you. It's going to come down to that. In this, me- in this message, simple at the end of the day. <laughs> I think it is. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, is a new creation, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. He's made that exchange through Jesus Christ and has given us this ministry, this ministry of reconciliation, that an exchange has taken place on the cross. That is that God was in Christ reconciling, making an exchange. The world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That's all about righteousness. Letting men know that God is not imputing their sins and trespasses against them, but that when Jesus was raised up on on the cross, he took all the judgment. Amen? Amen. John chapter 16 verse, let me finish this verse. Now then, we are able. We are ambassadors of Christ. Every believer is an ambassador. Every believer is an able minister. Every believer is a preacher. The Lord gave the word and great is the multitude of them that publish it. How shall they hear unless they've been told, unless somebody tell them, unless somebody preach it? Now then we are, how can they believe in what they have not heard? So then we are ambassadors of Christ, this life that is in us. As though God were pleading through us to mankind on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God and receive the exchange. <laughs> because you see, verse 21, he was made to be sin for us, for you, for that murderer, for that, for that, for that um, uh, violator. He was Jesus was made to be sin for for that person for each and every one of us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus didn't commit sin; he was made sin. We didn't commit righteousness; we were made righteous. It is a gift. It is a free gift that comes only by believing. That's all it takes. So there is this, so this here again, what is this all about? The essence of this new covenant is about righteousness. John chapter 16, verse 8, 11, you don't need to turn to it, but it says when the Holy Ghost has come, he will convict. Convict. Say convict. When you're convicted, you become a convict. (laughs) Amen? Like as I said last week, the whole thing is you need to be convinced. You need to recognize I'm guilty. I'm guilty of being an able minister of this new covenant. Put up, lift up your hands. Surrender. Say, I am guilty of being an able minister of this new covenant. I surrender. I accept it. I'm guilty. I'm a convict of this new covenant. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Anyway, when the whole It says in... Um, John chapter 16, 8, 11, that the Holy Ghost will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin because of them not believing on Jesus. Because of them not believing on Jesus, he didn't say he was going to convict them of all their crimes, of the murder, of the child molestation. He didn't say he was going to convict them of those things, and those things are wrong. But he said he will convict them of not believing on Jesus. Unbelief is what he's going to convict them of. They're going to be found guilty in that one. And he will convict them of righteousness because Jesus has risen from the dead. Because of resurrection, he convicts them of righteousness. You know, salvation is so easy. If you simply believe in your heart, That God has raised Jesus from the dead and you confess him as Lord BAM you get saved and of judgment because the prince of this world which is the devil is judged which means what he is in a place where there is no forgiveness for the devil there is no redemption for the devil there is no second chance for the devil he has got a one-way ticket straight to hell and the lake of fire and anyone that remains attached to him They go with him. Amen? So why? So that's why people must just believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. But what's that all about? That's about righteousness. This new covenant is about righteousness. All right. So you're born again spirit. Is totally, completely qualified to be that able minister. Colossians 1, verse 12 says that the blood, it says that He has made us meet or able or qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And if we read into it, you will see it is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that makes you qualified. Amen. It is the blood that makes you qualified. Hebrews chapter 10, reading from verse verse, 10, it talks about Jesus' sacrifice. By that will, we've been sanctified, set apart through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice. But it could never take away sins. What Jesus offered, that took away sins. But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down. Why? Because it was finished. He sat down at the right hand of God. Glory to God. And from that time, say from that time, he's just been waiting till his enemies be made his footstool. Why? Because he knows it's finished. (laughs) Amen? He knows it's finished. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. For by that one offering, he has perfected forever those who have been sanctified. Every believer, every born again child of God has been perfected forever in his spirit. I don't care if he is stumbling around in his Christian walk. He is still being perfected forever in his spirit. His spirit is not going to be any more perfect when it gets to heaven than it is right now. Because his spirit has the very nature of God. His spirit, his nature is, is perfect, no improvement. His position is that the father's right hand in Christ, no improvement. Now, we do, you do have to develop and mature. He has to learn to be sensitive to the to Holy the Spirit and he has to learn to function in certain things. It's like a baby. The baby is born. This baby has absolutely no imperfections, no birth effects, but it's perfectly pure, holy. Everything is perfect and right. All of its nature is wonderful. That baby also has a, has a position that came from his parents where it's a, that baby is a son, an heir, child of the king, whatever the case might be. So he's perfect in his nature, perfect in his position, but that baby has to grow up. The baby has to learn to communicate. That baby has to learn to recognize their parents' voice. And they have to learn to discern. They got to learn to various functions. So there is that growth process. But that's not in the area of the perfection in the nature and the perfection in your position. So you are qualified because you are perfected forever in your spirit. You are God's workmanship. You are the perfect you are the prof, the product of the perfect sacrifice of Christ. And then there are certain things you have. Every born again child of God is anointed. Say I'm anointed. I'm anointed. Oh, people struggle trying to get an I'm anointed. Oh, I don't feel very anointed today. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Amen? I don't feel like a son of God today. Well, what does that mean? Come on. (laughs) I don't feel righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are qualified by the essence of who you are and what you have in your new born again spirit, the inner man. And as Jesus, now listen to this for a moment. Get a hold of this. Believe this. You know, it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that Jesus was the express image of the Father. Remember that? Well, you are, in your spirit, you are the express image of Christ. If you can see me now. (laughs) Jesus said to um, Philip, I think it was, he said, if you see me, you see the Father. Well, the truth of the matter is, if anyone can see you in your spirit, they see Jesus. That is why Jesus said, look here, in, in John chapter 12, verse 20 to 24, you could go read it. When they, came to disciples, when they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, these folks are coming from, from various parts of the world and they're here and they want to see you, right? Jesus, they want to see you. And Jesus answered and said to them, except a corn and wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it died, it would bring forth much fruit. Well, what kind of answer is that? Jesus, the people want to see you. Jesus says, look here. They're coming up from all over the world and they want to see me. But hey, look, I am but a seed. And if I as a seed would be planted into the ground, when I come up, I'm going to be multiplied. And it's not going to be a single seed anymore. And every one of you, I will be reproduced in every one of you. And wherever you are, that's where I'll be. And you will go into all the world. And whenever they see you, they'll see me. So that they don't have to come here to Jerusalem. You go into all the world because you are my able ministers. You are my ambassadors. You carry my life. And if you will live in a place of intimacy with me, and this is eternal life that we might know him. If you live in a place of, 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 of that intimate oneness with me to the point that you would allow me to flow through You, I will do great exploits. And the works that I do, you'll do also. Because they that know their God, that are intimate with him, will be strong. And do what? God wants great exploits to be done. But it is not done by you, it's not done by me, and it's not done by, by, by any religion. It is done by Christ himself. But he has to flow through you. Everything else is a shadow. All the other religious concepts and ideas are, are almost a joke. You see, when God says, God says, wait here in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high, and you're going to be my witnesses. He was not talking about you going out there witnessing and telling people about Jesus. You need to do that. He was talking about you being the evidence of his resurrection. You being the proof. You being the manifestation of him. That's what it's all about. Hallelujah. So... That is why Jesus says, Father, I pray. The glory you give me, I've given them. And I've given them this glory, John 17, 21 and 22, that they may be one as as you and I are one. There is that righteousness. And that the world will know. Know what? Know that God sent Jesus. Will know that Jesus is alive. Your life and my life as we be the able ministers of this new covenant, is proof that Jesus is risen from the dead. And the reality of him being risen from the dead is what brings people into righteousness. He will convict them of righteousness because Jesus has gone to the Father. Amen? Hallelujah. We've got this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Say, I'm convicted. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of... Put your hands up again. I am guilty of being an able minister of this new covenant. Amen. Now, so now that you know that you're an able minister, all <laughs> right, now, as I said, you know that you are, now you know that you are, now you need to be. Now you need to be. And I'll give you that little analogy, but a husband, he, you know, he's a husband, but now you've got to learn to be a husband. You've got to learn to be an able minister. Here's a nice a next way of seeing this. To be this able minister, you have to be, you have to be the extension of Christ. Does that make sense? You've got to be the extension of Christ. I wrote this phrase down. I said Christ must live his life in in you and through you. And as I was sleeping during the night, I I got up and I I literally heard the Spirit of God saying, "No, no, 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 correct that. So I've corrected it. It's not that Christ must live his life in you and through you. No. Christ who lives in you. He lives his life in you, but he must live through you. He already lives his life in you. That's not the issue. But he must live his life through you for you to be the able minister. We got to literally become his body. You got to literally become his mouth. You got to literally become his voice. You got to literally become his hands. You got to literally become his feet. And this is what let me read this scripture to you. 1 John chapter 4 verse 9. This is what it's all about. This is what Christianity. This is what being born again is all about. There is absolutely no religion whatsoever that can make the claim that God lives inside of me. <laughs> Amen. This is the only, I mean, this is what makes us different. This is what makes us who we are. That God is in us, not just with us. Moses says, God, if you don't come with us, and if you don't have your presence, how are we going to be distinct from these other people? Say the presence of God. So 1 John chapter 4 verse 9 says, in this in this, the love of God was manifested towards us. that God sent His only begotten Son into the world. Yes, to die for us, but why? That we might live through him. Jesus came, died was resurrected why why did he go through all of that that we might live through him and that he might live through us for when you drop down to verse 17 it says the love of god has been perfected this is what perfect love looks like what does perfect love look like as he is so are you in this world in other words, God says, I cannot demonstrate my love to you in any greater way. Dying for you, that's great. Giving you abundance of grace, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, pre- Sealing you with the Holy Ghost. Preserving your life. Providing divine protection. Supplying all your needs. Causing you to be wealthy. Giving you the power to get wealth. That's all wonderful. But God says the greatest love, the greatest thing I can do for you to make the love of God so perfect is to make you as Jesus himself is. Hmm. Herein is the love of God made perfect that you might have boldness and confidence anytime you're on trial. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, how are we going to be disabled ministers? It is about Christ living through us. It is the essence of the gospel. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Paul, who was guilty of the things you know he was guilty of, responsible for Stephen being stoned and other people people being dragged off to prison. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, that when it, verse 15, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, And called me through his grace what for to reveal his son in me and that I might preach him among the Gentiles I thought Paul was supposed to preach the gospel stop he says to reveal his son in me and that I might preach his son revealed in me to the Gentiles in other words The preaching of the Son of God in you, Christ in you, is the very essence of the gospel. And he says, man, when I got a hold of that, I immediately didn't confer with flesh and blood. I didn't ask anybody what they think. (laughs) I was not concerned about the opinion of any man. That didn't matter to me because God, the Holy Ghost, revealed this to me, that here is why I was born. This is why he saved me. This is why he called me, to reveal and to unveil and to cause that Christ, his son, in me to appear, to become unveiled, to be revealed. So that is the essence of the gospel. Colossians chapter 1. Glory to God, hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1, read it from verse 25. Of which I became a minister... According to the stewardship from God, or according to that dispensation, churchship. I like the word churchship, Because, okay, there is the sense in which Paul, myself, and many ministers are ministers called, set apart in the office of a pastor, teacher, prophet, whatever the case is, and have this responsibility of ministering certain truths. But at the same time, it's not limited to the fivefold ministry. It does apply to you as well, that, uh, but that, that you are a minister according to the shortship from God, which is given to you to fulfill the word of God. What word? The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generation, but is now revealed to his saints. What is this mystery? To them that God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Him we preach. See? You see what we preach? Christ in you, the hope of, that's the gospel. Warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. I, I said last week, and I'm, I, as for this, the Lord's Ministry House right now, there's an absolute laser focus on one thing. And that is accomplishing what God has called us to do, which is to present every man perfect in Christ, which is to bring every man into a place of maturity. What does maturity look like? Maturity looks like a tree of righteousness planted by the Lord that grows up and have lots of branches to the point where others could come and shelter underneath it. It is to make every believer become established in the character in the nature of god in the oneness with him in the authority of christ in the right standing and the freedom from condemnation as if sin has never been and to know their rights and privileges and authority as a son of god to present every man mature in christ that's the gospel and in the truth of the matter is it is also who you are you, Galatians 2.20 says, you have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that liveth in you. That's who you are. The old has gone, has been crucified. Now it is the life of Christ that is now your life living in you and needs to live through you. The revelation of righteousness when you break it down is that oneness that you have with God in Christ. It's no longer you, but it's Christ that lives in you. Galatians 2 verse 21 declares that when you divide it. Hallelujah. Now, let me make a statement. If you would let Christ live his life through you, the degree to which you allow him to live through you will be the degree to which you will be effective as an able minister of this new covenant and of the gospel. That is the reason why Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 that God, God strengthen you with might by his spirit in the inner man and that Christ might dwell in your heart by faith, not just in your spirit, but that he would take up residence in the soul chamber of your heart and that you'd be rooted and grounded in the love of God, in the character of God, in the righteousness of God, in the nature of God, and that you would expand and know the length and the breadth and the depth and the height. And as you become expanded in this nature of God, you will become filled with all of the fullness of God. And then God will be released to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. And all would be to his glory. That's why Paul prayed that. What was he talking about? He was talking about the fact that the Holy Ghost might expand us, strengthen us in our innermost being, so that Christ will begin to ooze out of there and come over into the realm of your soul. And that you'll become so established in this nature that you'll be able to now begin to do the works of God. The works that He had prepared for us to walk in from before the foundation of the world. And that, that Christ will be made manifest. But that Christ flowing through us is dependent on what? That Christ flowing through us, the degree to which He does, is the very degree of, of, of our maturity, is the degree to which we are able ministers. Philippians 4, verse 19, Paul says, I travail again. I travail again that Christ might be formed in you. What do you mean formed in you? I thought you already have Christ when you're born again. He's talking about in your soul area. Acts chapter 4 and verse 2. Glory to God, hallelujah. Acts chapter 4, verse 2. Now listen to this here. <laughs> and this is, this, is, this is interesting because it is, um, anyway, this is unbelievers that were saying this. Now, as they spoke, in, verse 1, as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached. I think the old King James says, through Jesus. Anybody have any old King James? Okay. Anyway, I think the old King James says that they taught, they taught the people and they preached through Jesus. The resurrection from the dead, you know. Even as I'm speaking to you today, and I'm saying how oh, He needs to, He needs to, He wants to flow through us. I have a responsibility here, as I stand here to speak as an oracle of God, and so that it must not just be me, but it must be Him speaking through me. Are you with me? Because those words are spirit, and those words are life. Those words have the power to penetrate the dividing of the soul and the spirit, and the joints and the marrow. Amen. Hallelujah. So, what needs to happen? What does it take for Christ to live his life through you? Living his life through you even to the point that his life (laughs) becomes your experience. Living his life through you to the point that everyone that you touch begin to experience him. Here in this passage in Acts chapter 4 verse 2, it was the Sadducees and the priests and the captain of the temple, they were the ones that were saying that these people are teaching the, teaching and preaching through Jesus. They must have experienced something. Think about it. Amen. Think about that. Can you imagine this? That we must, this thing must become so—the the reality of Him flowing through us—that that becomes our experience, but it becomes the experience of those around about us. Glory to God. Now, what's it going to take? Number one, you must develop this consciousness that Christ is in you. You must develop this awareness that you are one with him. You must develop this issue that, 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 that Christ is in here all the time. You must know that you are the righteousness of God. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty four says, Awake to righteousness. 2 Corinthians 2, 13, verse 5, you don't need to turn to it, but it says, Examine yourself. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Okay, all right, let's read it then. 2 Corinthians 30 verse 5. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? You're a reprobate. In other words, if you in other words, you need to examine yourself whether you're in the faith. And the answer as to whether you're in the faith or not is whether you know that Christ is indeed in you. Did you get that? So we must first develop that consciousness. First Colossians, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Verse 19 and 20 says, Know you not that your body is the temple of the living God, that you've been bought with a price, therefore you are to glorify him in your body and your mind, which are God's... What is this talking about? It's talking about having this conscious awareness of this oneness. Say, Holy Spirit you got to develop a consciousness, this righteousness consciousness, this Christ inside-mindedness. Why? Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Don't you want to be as if Christ is indeed in you? Well, you got to think that way. As you think that way, that's how it's going to become. That's going to become the evidence of your life. How does this happen? It comes by meditation. You've got to mutter in your voice. You've got to mutter, I'm the righteousness of God. Christ is in me. Sometimes you just got to put your hand on your belly. And just to remind yourself, he's right here. But you've got to develop that awareness. And when you meditate, when you mutter, when you mutter, Christ is in me, greater is he that is in me. God himself lives on in the inside of me. His throne is right here. I live in his presence. His presence is in me. He never leaves me, he never forsakes me. If he never leaves, then he never leaves. If he never leaves, then he must be here all the time. Isn't right? <laughs> but you, but and you see, when you meditate, then it is going to come a point, and bam, there's a revelation to you. And... Over time, that revelation will produce a transformation in your life. Because that revelation will cause a motivation in your life, and then you're going to start taking certain actions. And when you start taking actions, fruit comes up. Transformation takes place. Amen? Now, so from this place then, just as we wrap this up, from this place of this consciousness of righteousness... There are five areas of Christ's life that he wants to manifest. There are five areas that say, of your life, five areas that needs to be in your life, where Christ wants to manifest himself in those areas, so to speak. All right? And they're all coming from this mindset oneness with him Christ is in here Christ is in here I need him to function where do I need to function five areas you need Christ to function and manifest number one prayer number two fellowship with God with and with the Holy Spirit and with the church so number two is fellowship number three worship number four the word and then number five, evangelism. Now, by evangelism, it is not limited to reaching the lost. It absolutely includes reaching the lost. Jesus says he come to seek and save the lost. You know, as I say, the, reaching the lost is God's heartbeat. It absolutely includes that. But it also includes setting the captives free. It also includes encouragement to other believers. Provoking them to love and to good works, it also includes making disciples, mentoring, helping others. So those five areas, in other words, in other words, then as you, in other words, Jesus wants to take over your prayer life. He wants to because the effectual of fervent prayer of who avail it much. He wants you to. He wants to, to. He's like he wants to have fellowship with God the Father and with the Holy Ghost. True you. And, and, and we're going to come back and, and study this out, okay? And he wants to worship. He said the Father seeks such to worship him in spirit and in what? Truth. He said that's what the Father desires. And he says, I always do those things that please the Father. Do you think he wants to worship the Father through you? Think about that. Okay. And then, of course, the Word. In Luke chapter four verse fifteen, the Bible says, "As it as was his common practice, on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue." What do you mean? Was this common practice? And that, that's what he did. When time for church, he went to church, <laughs> and then he took the book and he found the place where it was written. As was his custom, it says that was the word. There's some good customs. <laughs> Being at church is a good custom. <laughs> Amen. But being in the Word, and he and, and he opened a book, and he began to read the Word. He began to declare, and he says, "This day are these scriptures fulfilled in your ears?" He is the Word, and we're going to go through that. Hallelujah! We're not going to get into that now, but we will. So these five areas, in ev- these five areas in every believer must be intentionally cultivated. Develop, and those are areas where we must grow in. Why? Because as much as Christ wants to live in you, as Christ is living in you and wants to live through you, He is He is God, but He is limited by our knowledge, by our yieldedness. It says in Ephesians four verse seventeen that. Even though they had the life of God on the inside of them, like every believer does, yet they were alienated. They were aliens to that life and power in their spirit. Why? Because of ignorance, lack of knowledge, and because of hardness of heart, insensitivity. Amen? So there's going to have to be a sensitivity, and there's going to have to be a certain increase in knowledge so that Christ will, not, will, will have more and more freedom to flow through you. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is that aspect of knowledge. And then the issue of traditions. There are traditions that are a hindrance to God within the church. God, the word of God says in um, Matthew 15 verse 6 that your traditions has made void and none effect the power of God. Which means that when we operate in certain traditions God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus is not going to work with it. He'll ignore you. He wouldn't do anything. For instance, well, let me mention this: self-will. Oh, and you and you—I mean, you trying to exercise some kind of willpower to get this or that done? God is not going to work with that. He works in you and gives you the power to will, but He's not going to work in you boasting in your own will and what I did and what I'm going to do. And no, 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 no. Why? He has already declared that He will what? What does it say in First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-nine? I will go, what, what, about. He says, no flesh shall what? Glory. In other words, God says, that's flesh. I got none to do with it. You're on your own. Amen? I'm I'm saying that to say that these five areas, they are, they got to be developed, and they got to develop them intentionally. They're traditions you got to get rid of. There's a yieldedness. There's an increase in knowledge that is important, and that's why we're here. And next week, we're going to study these five areas a little bit more closely. But let's close right here. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified, that you're crucified with Christ. And it's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that liveth in you. I've said this before, and I'll say it many more times. Galatians 2.20 is a verse of scripture you should pray every single day, and you should be praying and believing God that this scripture, which is the truth of who I am, must become my testimony. It must become my experience that I am crucified with Christ and it's no longer I, but it's Christ that is living in me because that's the reality of righteousness. And you got to become anchored. Let me put the same thing a different way. You must become anchored in righteousness and in that oneness. That righteousness must be an anchorage for your soul and for all of your life. And here is the, going to be the result of that. When you become established in this here, and Christ can flow through you, great exploits, but more also, listen to what it says. Philippians 1 verse 19, 11. This I pray, that your love may abound. And love is unselfishness, by the way. <laughs> Similar, close. And your love may abound still more and more. You're going to become less and less. It's going to be less and less of self. we will abound more and more in knowledge, intimacy, and in all discernment. Why? So that you can approve and choose the things that are excellent. And that you'll be sincere. And you will be without offense. You're not going to trip. You're not going to get, get into some selfish motivation. Until the day of Christ. And then look at this. Well, look what's going to happen as, that, as this love abounds. And as you move away from selfishness and don't give the devil any place through offense. Being filled. Say filled. Mm. Filled with what? The fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. Filled with the fruits of righteousness. That means you are going to be increasing in the fruits of righteousness... That means what? What is the fruit of righteousness? What is the fruit? When you see tomatoes, what kind of tree is that? Tomato. So the fruits of righteousness is the proof and the evidence of the life of the vine. It is the proof and the evidence of the very life of Christ that is in you. So that you will be filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ which are as a result of him being in you and flowing through you to the glory of God. What in the world does that look like? To be in that place where the fruits of this righteousness, the fruits of this oneness is coming forth. Isaiah 54 and verse 14 says, When you establish in that, you're going to be so far from oppression, you will not fear. When you establish in fact that you are crucified, what people think? Don't don't matter. Impressing them one way or the other, those things are gone. People's accusations, what they have to say about you, falls to the ground. And I've even, uh, you know, as as I'm studying this out, I'm even seeing some areas and some realms in the area of prosperity where God says, I will teach you to profit. And if you would hearken to me, then your peace, your prosperity is going to be like a might, is going to be like a river. And your righteousness like waves of the sea. Just keep on coming. Splash, splash, splash. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But where does it start? First, let's begin today by deciding, you know what? I have to develop this consciousness of righteousness. I'm one with him. He is in me. It's not me living here. It's Christ living in me. His life needs to flow through me and make that dedicated decision amen and be prayerful about it be daily about it be consistent with it and watch him work and then we're going to look and see how can you function in these five areas if you're not if you're not already then we got to get it in place prayer worship fellowship the word of god and evangelism